Serving up the strategies you need to build, market and monetize a profitable, future-proof business around your expertise. This is the Youpreneur Podcast. And here's your host, international business mentor and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Well, hello there and welcome to episode number 491 of the Youpreneur Podcast. It is fantastic to be with you as always. This week on the show, I'm joined by Steve Chu from over at mywifequitherjob.com. Still to this day, one of my favorite domain names on the planet. Uh, Steve's got a brand new book out uh, as of literally today or tomorrow, I believe, by the time this goes um, uh, public. And it's called The Family First Entrepreneur, How to Achieve Financial Freedom Without Sacrificing What Matters Most. Um, Steve actually uh, set up and built two seven-figure e-commerce companies while working a full-time job with a very young family. And now he has decided to teach everybody else how to do likewise. It's a really fun conversation and uh, one that I think that you're going to appreciate listening to, particularly if you are a parent or maybe if you're a child. That's okay too. Yeah, that, that could work as well. If you're part of a family, which I'm sure pretty much all of you are, uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation. Before we get going with that, however, just wanted to remind you all of our next step business assessment, which is uh, over at chrisducker.com forward slash assessment. If you haven't already taken the next step business assessment, basically what it is, you punch in a whole bunch of answers to a whole bunch of questions, take about two minutes or so. And by the time you're done, we'll have a blueprint of strategies and tips for you on the things that you should do next in order to be able to grow your business and go further faster. So again, chrisducker.com forward slash assessment, go and check it out. So on to my conversation with Steve. Uh, we've actually known each other for quite some time, but we've not spoken for a good while. So it's good to catch up with him. You'll see that uh, we hit the ground running uh, pretty much right out of the gate with our fun uh, way of looking at life and, uh, and and conversing about business. But also instantly, uh, I can see that Steve has been a very busy boy and he's got some great stuff to share in this new book. The one thing that really stood out to me, and this is something that I'm seeing with a lot of our guests recently, is the simplicity of the way that he has set up his companies. It allows him to be able to spend more time with the people that matter the most, doing the things that matter the most as well, but without sacrificing how he's making money to be able to look after that family of his. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it because here it comes. Youpreneur FM, helping you build the business of you. So Steve, welcome to the show, man. Glad to be back. It's been a long time, Chris. It has been a long time. And you've been busy. You've been a busy boy. You've got teenagers now. We were talking before we hit records. Uh, you've got teenagers now. Yeah. You know, I thought that it'd be so much easier with teenagers because you don't have to like feed them and take care of them as much. It's the opposite. Man. I, I the think opposite. there's still some sort of legal impediment that requires you to <laughs> feed teenagers. But <laughs> But but yeah, I know what you're saying, and and you know what it is, and uh, you know you become the full time shuttle service for your teenage kids. That's what like a duber, 
right? Like a Duber, a dad Uber. That's Duber. right. Yeah. Duber. Chris came up with that before we hit record. So I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, I want everybody to know that wasn't Steve's thing. That was my thing, everybody. <laughs> so if you see him registering the domain domain name, you can call him a fool from me. Um, Steve, man, it's so good to catch up with you properly. It's been a minute. You've been you've been genuinely busy. Uh, I know you got the new book, Family First, coming out, Family First Entrepreneur coming out soon. Um, and uh, or maybe it might even be live by the time uh, or launch rather by the time this episode is live. But like for those folks who maybe, you know, don't know you and what you're all about and how you do what you do. I mean, like we met way back. I mean, like way back. At, was it FinCon? I think it was the. I want to say it was 2014. Yeah, that sounds right. about right. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. And I mean, we've spoken on the same stages. We've moved in the same circles. We've shared dinner tables together on occasion as well. Um, but now, like, all of a sudden, you're like, well, you know, I'm not busy enough. I think I'll write a book. <laughs> you know, I totally <laughs> underestimate the amount of work, to be honest with you. Yeah. But Everybody you always know. does. Yeah. yeah. What was so. what was the hardest thing about writing a book? Do you think? I mean, like we we have a lot of people on the show, obviously, right? Before you answer that, let me give context. So, okay. um, if this is if this is like if you guys are tuning in, this is the first time you're listening to the show. Know this: I'm very good friends with a lot of very smart people, and very smart people generally have books, right? Because it's a great expert positioning strategy. And a lot of the time, when people come onto the show, we'll talk about their books, right? It happens a lot, but you don't get to write a book that ends up selling thousands and thousands of copies just for the fun of it. Like almost everybody that comes on this show and talks about this stuff is a genuine entrepreneur has made millions of dollars, if not tens of millions. And, you know, they're, they're out doing great things, serving communities of people, showing up for their folks, adding value into their lives, et cetera, et cetera. And Steve, you have been doing this for years, right? But like what happened? Did you just get bored through lockdown or something and just start writing a book? Or, like what, what was it? What was the hardest part about working it? I've seen you guys do it. So I wanted to do it too. No, um, ah, you were jealous. You were jealous of all the attention is what it was. <laughs> uh, it's always been a bucket list item. Uh, yeah. I've always wanted to like walk my kids to a physical bookstore. I, I hope they're still around these physical bookstores by the time the yeah. book comes out. So I can kind of stroll them in and show them, show them the book yeah. on the shelf. I remember I did that in 2014 with my kids. We went into Barnes and Noble on Fifth in New York. We just happened to be in New York for a summer holiday, and it was the year you know the book had come out. I don't know whatever it was, five six months prior, and I was like, oh, they don't have any copies anymore. You know, they've all sold bookstores. I'm going to restock my book, you know, in America. No, 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 there's no point. But Urs was like, we got to go, let's go check it out. So we went and there was like five copies in there. So either A, they restocked the shelves or B, they never sold any in the first place. Um, but it was nice to or be able C, to- Or yeah? C, you took them out of your backpack and put them on the shelf. I, I could have done that. I could have done that as well. Because uh, I'm a backpack kind of guy. That's my style. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get that. And I mean, like, you write a book called The Family First Entrepreneur, and you are a very family-focused dude. Like, as long as I've known you, it's always been about you and, the, and, and your wife and the kids. Now the kids are getting older. You know, this is the time to start looking at bucket list items yeah. and, and doing what you need to do. Also, to inspire them as well, you know. What do you think was... Um, well, let me tell you this, Chris. Here's why I wrote the book. 
I wrote it because if you look out there, all the entrepreneurship advice that you see is mostly given by single people, single men mostly and women who don't have to worry about anything except taking care of themselves. But there's whole other population that have families, responsibilities and whatnot. And a lot of the things, a lot of the advice that single people give just aren't applicable to people with families. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the book is actually my perspective on how to balance family and business or any side hustle to achieve financial freedom. So let's talk about this. I mean, I'm a family guy myself. I think I do yeah. a, a good job at balancing, uh, you know, work and life. I'm a big believer that uh, the work-life balance thing is total BS. It's a myth that doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned, particularly when you work from home, because there are always going to be things in the middle of the workday that pop up, uh, you know, or and vice versa as well. You know, sometimes you're at the dinner table or you're on an airplane, you know, with the kids or, you know, something happens, right? So I think it comes down to a matter of priorities. But what yep. what, what says the you know, the author behind this book now, where do you think we are in terms of a, uh, a human race when it comes to this stuff, the family based entrepreneurs? Yeah. So have you heard of the four burners theory before? No, I have not. Enlighten me. The, f- the four burners theory states that there's four burners in your life. There's family, work, friends, and business. Okay. And in order to be successful at any one of those, you have to turn off one of the burners. And if you want to be really successful, then you might turn off two. Mm-hmm. So let's take Elon Musk, for example. He's probably turned off three. Like the business burner is his only burner that he is right. running. Right. So he excels at it, right? So basically the burners theory is, is that everything has trade-offs, right? You have to trade off one thing to be better at the other. And you know we're both business owners. And this is what happened to us. So we started our business, which we sell handkerchiefs online. That was our first business. And we basically turned off the friends burner. And at the time we just had each other. So we didn't have the family burner and we produced something that made a lot of money in a short period of time. But then once we had our family that no longer worked. And I I remember when we started our business, uh, I don't know if this happened to you, Chris, actually, I personally got carried away with just making more and more money. Like all Imagine my friends, that, an entrepreneur that wants to make a whole bunch of money, huh? <laughs> well, here's the problem, Chris. I hang out with guys like you, Pat, other people in the circles, and they're all doing like millions of dollars. And you want to do, you want to do millions of dollars, right? Right. So you end up sacrificing a lot of things to hit this stupid number. And you're sacrificing all these things along the way. And that's what happened with our business. Uh, I remember I was chatting with Noah Kagan. And I told him how well we were doing. And he was like, hey, why don't you just scale that stuff? Why don't you scale? I mean, you have this working. Why don't you scale it? And I listened to him. And that was the year we hit a million bucks. But my wife and I fought more than we ever had in our entire life. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the most stressful years of our life. So first off, like the first thing that we did is we stopped putting out arbitrary income goals. Right. And you know this, it's, it's a balance between ego and your accomplishments, right? You know that if you went all out on your businesses, you could probably create something really big, but you'd have to make these sacrifices. And at the same time, if you spend more time with your family, that kind of hurts your ego because you're not realizing your full potential. So 
it's kind of this balance. Yeah, I mean, my take on that is that I think it's very normal to feel like that when you're younger, um, particularly if you're an entrepreneur and you're kind of hustling and you're chasing down your goals and your aspirations and stuff like that. But I will say, you know, I'm going to be 50 this year, just a few months from now. And I can honestly say to you, over the last three, four, five years or so, um, what people think of me has, has genuinely mattered less and less every single day over that last five years. How much money I make has also followed the similar suit, although I'm happy to say I still do very well. Um, but it's not the primary focus behind why I get up in the morning and eat every day and swing my legs off the bed and get to work kind of type thing. Like now yeah. it's a matter of now I want to do deep work with, you know, just a very few amount of people um, rather than trying to serve a massive, massive amount of people with, you know, relatively simple strategies and simple courses and all that kind of type of stuff. We have a lot of stuff built in to our ecosystem, which serves us from a passive income standpoint, from an automation standpoint, which is great. Don't get me wrong. But the time I spend every single day is now very, very limited at work. And I'm doing more and more and more what I really enjoy doing. And some of that's for me and me only. And some of it obviously is for the family as well. So I th I think that it's an age thing. And I think that as you do get a little bit older, that sort of stuff matters less. Um, but with that being said, that you know, you can probably talk about it. I know I can talk about it. I know many other people can talk about it, where it's like, if I could go back and do things over a little bit. I would have spent less time at work. I would have spent more time on holidays with the family. Ba, 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 you know. I mean, that's always everyone's biggest regret, right? So how do you get the younger crowd to have this mentality as well? Well, you tell me. You wrote the book, right? So here's just a couple of my philosophies that you may or may not agree with. But for me, and this is, I'm pretty sure you're going to disagree with this one. <laughs> For me, I'm kind of anti-employee. Okay. Like if I can get a, a, a computer or a bot to do the same amount of work as a human or make things much more efficient, I'm all for it. Like yeah. I will resist hiring because hiring always, I think people are like the most unpredictable thing that you can add to your business. Yeah. Right? I, I would say you're 100% right. And again, maybe five years ago, I probably would have disagreed with you quite substantially, quite frankly. But you know, over the last couple of years, we've sold off a lot of assets. We've gotten to the point where we're a lot leaner as, as a group of companies. Um, currently have only around 20 staff. Used to have 450, right? So I, I, yeah. I get that entirely. I understand exactly where you're coming from. And then instead of focusing on like top line numbers, which it's kind of like the vanity numbers, it's the one that hits your ego. Instead of focusing on that, what we do now is we focus on one skill or area of our business that we want to just focus on for the entire year, and we become as good at it as we can, and whatever happens, happens. So, for example, last year it was TikTok. I took all these dance lessons, Chris, and it was finally time to put out those short-form videos. Dude, you can move anyway. I'm sure you don't <laughs> need the lessons. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, the year before was SMS. Uh, another year was YouTube. 
So every year, and this is what satisfies. So what is it this year? I'm curious. This year is the book. Okay. All right. The book so being I being mean, as good as you can on marketing your book. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to hit a bestseller list. And then, okay. again, that's a pure ego goal, right? But that's what I'm focusing on. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Okay. So 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 how do you put in I mean, are there like are there processes or procedures throughout the course of the year where you know, it kind of almost creates an allowance of time for you to get better at what you're doing? Or is it literally that you're just saying no to everything else except that one thing for the entire year? I mean, how does it work? So I'm very regimented. I have a schedule that I follow every single week, pretty much. So Monday is my content creation day. I try to get everything done on that Monday. Mm -hmm. Tuesdays are like my exercise days. Tuesdays and Thursdays are my exercise days. Wednesdays, I teach a class. And then Friday is just like my thinking day. So Monday is basically my maintenance day. Like everything I need to do to keep the business running all takes place in one day of the week if I sure. can help it. Gotcha, gotcha. And then I always dedicate at least one day just to just like a planning day so that everything else is much more efficient. Where does family come into play? Yeah, I was going to I make sure that I don't miss any events. And I'm always around. You know what? It's funny, but my, my kids were telling me the other day that I'm around too much. They're like, give me some damn privacy. You know? So hang on. So let, keep... let, let me get the ages right then. So what are we looking at yeah. now? Are they like 13 and 15 or something? 13 and 15. 13, 13 and 15. 15. Okay. And yeah. your little girl is the eldest. Am I right? That's correct. Right. Yeah. So, so, I've, got, so I've, got, I've got thoughts here. Okay. I've got thoughts. Number one. Okay. Uh, why is it that the picture of you and your kids on your website looks like it was taken yesterday because you have not aged a bit in what seems like about 10 <laughs> years. Um, and number two, why, why are you letting your kids boss you around? Like they're not the boss of you, Steve. <laughs> well, you know, they can make my life miserable. <laughs> As can my wife. Oh, so, so they are the boss of you. They are the boss of you. Right. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Okay. So, so what does that look like then? What does family time look like now? Because kids are older, you know, what are you doing? Here's what I think. I mean, realistically, your kids aren't going to be want to be around you all the time. Yep. But I think it's just important to be present. Mm -hmm. Right. Just being around. So I, I remember when I was a kid, my parents, they were first generation immigrants. They worked hard. They worked, they worked nights and weekends. I didn't see them as much as I would like. And I remember myself when I was playing in a soccer game, I would look over in the sideline and I wouldn't see them there. And I just remember that in my head. And so that's one of the reasons why when I had kids, I was like, okay, I'm going to be at everything. Mm -hmm. You don't have to talk to me, right? But I'm just going to, I'm just going to be present whenever mm -hmm. you need me. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like my philosophy. Yeah. So you were asking about business, right? Yeah. Whenever some opportunity comes now, I have this little checklist that I, that I have, which helps me evaluate whether that opportunity is worth it. So for example, let's say I have to fly to Germany for like two weeks to do some sort of YouTube seminar or something like that, or put out some production value. I'm going to be like, okay, what am I going to miss? Is it worth it going? 
And then I chat with my wife about it. And I would say that eight times out of 10, it's probably not worth doing. So you have to have these measures in place so that you don't get carried away with stuff. And again, this all becomes so much easier when you take money out of the equation. So I think the important part is to just make what you need first. Mm -hmm. Just pay yourself that amount, which will make everything else gravy. The other thing that we do is that we're a lot more focused on the type of business that we do. So here's something we did with our business not too long ago. For our handkerchief business, we looked at our average order value, which is about 60 bucks. And we found that about 50% of our customers spend less than half of our average order value. Okay, But there's 10% of customers that spend double our average order value or 120 bucks. Well, guess what? That 10% of customers that spend 2x our average order value actually makes up 50% of our revenue. Mm -hmm. Whereas the bulk of our customers, you know, the bulk of them that spend less than half the AOV only make up about 10% of our customers. So what does that mean? We should be focusing on those, we, we call them whales, on the whales only, because yeah. that'll make our life easier. So today, what we do with this handkerchief business is we look for people who spend a lot of money, right? And then we actually pick up the phone and we call them and we say, hey, are you an event planner or a wedding planner? Or like, why did you buy so many in bulk? And then they tell us why. And if they are an event planner, we go, hey, we'll give you a dedicated rep. Here's a coupon code. Anytime you want to place an order, we will make sure that our linens make, make it to your event on time. And then guess what? We have them as a customer for life. Yeah. They buy, they don't complain. And usually you'll find that the people who are the cheapy customers complain the most. Oh, of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. what makes your life so much easier when you run a business. You got to focus on the right customers. So is the handkerchief business the only business that you guys are running now then? No, I, I have my wife. Paint the picture job. a little bit. What else? What else? You got oh, yeah. Around? Sorry. I forgot. I'm going to assume your audience doesn't know who I am. So I have the e-commerce store that sells yeah. handkerchiefs. I have my wife quit her job, which is a blog that generates seven figures as well. I have a podcast, which generates uh, six. I use the podcast mainly to meet people, but it does generate about six figures. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a YouTube channel that's going to probably do about 350K just on AdSense revenue alone, but it all kind of feeds in the same ecosystem. Sure. And I run an annual e-commerce conference called the Seller Summit, okay. which I don't advise anyone do, by the way. Events, <laughs> tough. Yeah. Yeah. Events are tough. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. um, so this is interesting. So let's break that down a little bit. Then, obviously, the podcast we can see that that's probably sponsorship. Am I right in saying that? Correct. That's oh, correct. Okay. Yes. Uh, YouTube is paid. Oh, it's uh, it's uh, Google AdSense, AdSense. or ad, ad, yeah. you know, Google Ads. You do any sponsor videos or anything like that for people, or is it I don't ads? really do those. Although for this book, I started doing them just to sell more books, but normally I don't do any of them. Okay. All right. I get it. Um, it's too much talking, right? Like if you think about totally. it, like if you're doing a sponsored video, there's a lot of this back and forth and stuff and you have to yeah. please someone else. I'm not yeah. all, about, I'm not about like, you know, uh, if it's, if it's complicated to sell, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I'm friends with a good number of decent sized YouTubers like yourself. And pretty much everybody says that, you know, once they get into that sponsor mentality and they come to 
rely on that as a source of income, it's very hard to walk away from it, even if it means you're working with complete idiots, people that are just really tough to deal with. And there's, like you say, way too much back and forth on one particular you know, speaking yeah. point or something along those lines, right? So I, I get that entirely. Okay, so that's the YouTube stuff. So, I mean, seven-figure blog. Can you break down the monetization yeah. modes behind that? It's mainly affiliate revenue, courses. And uh, I mean, it's all kind of the same ecosystem, but I would say mainly affiliate revenue and courses. So I, I, uh, I rank really high in search and there's a way to write your content now that unfortunately, I mean, I'm just going to be truthful to your audience. It's not that conducive to humans. Like you're writing for the search engines mm -hmm. and you're just giving the answer without any fluff. That's the secret to ranking in search today. Right. Whereas back when we started, Chris, it wasn't like that. No, no, no. You didn't you know, write. It was actually fun to write. At all. Yeah, it yeah. was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But now the fun, like if you tell a story, for example, in a blog post, I can pretty much guarantee you that that post is not going to rank. Yeah. Because it confuses Google. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> I'm a computer and a human clearly wrote this. I'm I'm really confused <laughs> now. Like what's going on? Yeah. And I mean, obviously you've got like, you know, chat. GPT or whatever it's called and all this yep. AI stuff and everything. Um, you know, I know that pretty much everybody in the dog has been talking about that recently. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's good reason why people, some people might, you know, be relatively concerned about it. I think, you know, it's like anything else you can't fight change, right? It's just one of those things. Thank God as well, by the way, because if you look through history like our history is made of change isn't it right uh you know, civil rights movement for example like could you imagine if slavery was still a thing nowadays it's just bonkers right so you know change is a good thing almost always right and i feel like some people are just freaking out over things like ai a little bit too much i think i feel like we should be embracing them what's your what's your take on it well you know I, I agree with the people who are freaking out because if they're doing something that's going to be obsolete, mm -hmm. they better freak out. They better do something about it. Whereas for us, we run businesses. We're kind of self-employed. We're the ones who tend to want to embrace it because it makes everything that we do much more efficient. Of course. Yeah. And right? you've already said you'd rather work with a robot than a human anyway. So there you go. For the most part. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what other, what other kind of, you know, what other unicorns have we got in, in inside the pages of the book here, man? What else are you, you going to teach us? What else do we... Oh, okay. So I have all these philosophies. Okay, here, I'll, I'll, give, I'll say something here. When I choose on a traffic generation method, I will always choose the ones that involve doing the work once and reaping the benefits for a long time. Okay. So for example, I hate social media. I hate Instagram. I hate Facebook. I mean, I use them, but those platforms for the people I know who do them well, they're posting seven, seven times a day. Yeah, for sure. Or I have one friend who's doing really well on Facebook. She's posting 24 times a day. To me, that sounds like a hamster wheel. I mean, she's a ton of traffic, ton of traffic and sales. We're talking tens of millions of dollars worth of sales. Right. But do you want to be posting 24 times a day or even seven times a day? Yeah. And if you stop, the traffic stops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or would you rather write a blog post 
that gets you traffic for 10 years or more. I have posts like go. that. Yeah. Or would you rather create a YouTube video that might be a pain in the butt to, to film, but that YouTube video gets you views every single day for years. So I focus almost all of my efforts on long-term, you know, ways to generate customers. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so What's when your people... philosophy on social? I've always, yeah. No, I was going to say when people enter your ecosystem, whether it be the show or, you know, YouTube or the blog or whatever it is, what happens? I mean, I'm assuming you've got a certain amount of segmentation in place so that you can yep. mm -hmm. serve up the right type of, you know, value to the right kind of people in terms of where they're at on their journeys. I mean, is that something that you have spent, you know, a lot of time putting in place with the long term in mind? Or are you going back to it pretty regularly and updating it and tweaking it and all that sort of stuff? So I try to automate as much as I can. Sure. And uh, in the book, we talk about lifecycle marketing. This is where, as you said, you take a customer on their entire journey. So I'll just give you an example to make it simpler for this podcast about e-commerce. So I'll, I'll just talk about my handkerchief store. Everyone who comes in is treated differently onto the email list. Let's just talk about email to keep it simple. If someone has not bought anything in our store, there's a sequence that just tries to get them to make that first purchase. We heavily discount whatever it takes to get them to open up their wallets. Sure. Then there's people who have bought once, but haven't bought again. And I know for my customers that if I can get them to buy just twice, they're probably going to be a lifetime customer. Okay. So for those people, we just do whatever we can to make them get their second purchase. And here's what we do. If there's an item that they bought that has a matching item or an accessory, we just send them emails. And this is completely automated, by the way. We don't have to do any work. This is all done automated based on what they bought. So let me just give you a quick example here. We sell napkins in our store. Cocktail napkins, lunch napkins, and dinner napkins. And they all match. So if someone just bought the cocktail napkins, we will automatically send them an email saying, hey, did you know that we carried dinner and lunch napkins that match what you just bought. And basically, we're trying to get them to make that second purchase. Um, then we got people who buy pretty often, but they don't spend that much money. Okay. Right. Uh, they might spend like, you know, half of our AOV, but they buy often. So they're great customers. For those people, we try to get them to buy more. So we might do some sort of bundling deals for them based on what they bought and whatnot. And then finally, we have like the whales and the whales just buy in large quantities and they, and they buy often. And for the people I just talked about who buy often, like those people don't need coupons, right? Yes, so we don't 100%. Give yeah, they, they don't need coupons. They're going to buy from us no matter what. So we don't discount for those people. Instead, we, we make them feel good by offering them perks. So one, we talked about like me calling up on the phone. Um, we also give them like special loyalty perks, or we might ask for their opinion on what, you know, what we should carry in our store. Do they have any requests? We basically make them feel special so that they'll continue to buy because you don't want to be saying those guys discounts because you're just leaving money on the table because they're going to buy anyway. Yeah. So everyone exactly. has a different segment. And for, there, there's also another segment of people where they bought, but they haven't bought in a long time. And you got to understand like these days with so much, attention being drawn everywhere, people are going to forget. 
right? They, they, they might remember your store and love it, but they're going to forget about it maybe a couple months later. And so for those people, we have an automated flow that just tries to get them back. In that email, we'll say something like, hey, since you've been back, we've added like 20 new products mm-hmm. related mm-hmm. to what you bought. Come on back. Here's a coupon, 10%. Just come on back. And so that way, once we get a customer in this ecosystem, we get them to spend as much money as possible in our store. Yeah. And it's not it's not always necessarily a one and done scenario. It's something that, you know, it might that that purchasing relationship might, you know, hell, that might be years long, right? It, it's not yeah. it's not all about getting as much as you can right away, although it's always nice, obviously. But I mean, like there is there are what you're saying is that you've basically built out systems and automation to be able to get people to come back if they've not been around for a while. Uh, to you know, buy additional products, upsell, cross-sell, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So, okay. So as we start wrapping here, then wrapping up, not actually wrapping, because I'm definitely no uh, Eminem. I did see sure. you rap on stage that one time, didn't I? No, you did not. You did not. I didn't. No? I never did that. Okay. No, right. I know. I might have sung on stage. Maybe you saw me sing on stage. Maybe that's what it was. Just to sing in a yeah. band many years ago. But yeah, no, I'm not going to start rapping. In fact, actually. Every now and then I do this with my, uh, with my kids. I, I rap at bedtime and I don't know, I just, I make up stuff just to sort of try and get them into bed quickly and all that sort of type of stuff. And, uh, my teenage boy, who's now 14 and a half, he's gone from just, you know, three, four years ago saying, come on, give, give us the rapping. Cause I used to call it the rapping dad. And I'd be like, I'm the best rapping dad that you've ever had. And all this kind of stuff. Right. And it was like really lame dad raps. Um, and it's gone from three, four years ago. Give us a rap dad. Come on, give us a rap to dad. Don't, don't, don't do the rap thing. Don't, <laughs> don't do it dad. Right. Um, but as we start wrapping up here, what I'm getting here from you is priority automation simplicity, which seems to be something that's coming up a lot on the show with a plethora of guests recently as well. Yep. Um, and, and ultimately like making the right choices, not just for your business, but also for your life as well. Am I missing anything? No, that's uh, that's a good summary. And obviously the book goes into a lot more detail on exactly how you accomplish this. Yeah. But I think at a high level, that's what you, what you said is correct. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Well, you guys tuning in, go check out Amazon or your favorite bookstore for that matter. If Stephen, his kids haven't actually uh, snapped up all the books first, uh, the family first entrepreneur, how to achieve financial freedom without sacrificing what matters most. Uh, Steve, I know that your family matters most to you. They certainly do for me as well. And um, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom, your experience, and uh, dropping a few value bombs on us. Thanks, Chris. I just want to add that I'm adding a whole bunch of extra bonuses as part of the book. Okay. You so got a, you oh, a so free, you got a yeah. special URL you want to share with everyone? It's the familyfirstentrepreneur.com. Okay. If you get the book, you get multiple courses. You get one three-day workshop on how to just get started with e-commerce, if e-commerce is your thing. And there's also a two-day workshop on how to make money with content, whether that be through YouTube, blogging, or podcasting, which are the three main things that I do. Nice. Okay. I'm also doing this six-week workshop where I'll literally work with you guys and try to figure out what that side hustle is for you. And I'm also touring the country. You'll get a ticket to 
one of these many book parties that I'm going to be throwing. Man, hopefully I'll see you, you in the U.S. too, Chris. Yeah, hopefully I was going to say I, I need to uh, I need to see you again and and shake your hand and get get you sign a copy of the book for me. That would be fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, for you guys, one more time, you can get um, links to everything that we've talked about in the show. The Family First Entrepreneur dot com. Go grab your bonuses after you grab the book. And Steve, thanks again, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right. For you guys tuning in, appreciate you too. I'll see you next week for another episode of the show. Till then, take great care. Bye for now. Serving up the strategies you need to build, market, and monetize a profitable, future-proof business around your expertise. This is the Youpreneur Podcast. And here's your host, international business mentor and best-selling author, Chris Ducker.